0: This week on Missions Today.
1: I have not had one person come back to me and say, I wish I had not said yes. Because when we surrender to the God who is weaving his glory into our stories, again and again and again, I have people say, we saw God show up, empower us, equip us, surprise us, and do more than we could have ever asked or imagined and be faithful to us. So when you say yes, you just get to see god show up and show off because he's the one moving us from fear to faith
0: that was jennifer hand of coming alive ministries talking about giving our yes to the lord hi i'm colin lambert and this is missions today from resource global jennifer was just one of over 52 amazing guests we had on this program over the last year our first full year at missions today Coming up over the next few minutes, we'll hear a number of highlights from guests who shared their stories this year of how God is working in their lives and the lives of those around them. One thing's for sure, though each came from different backgrounds and cultures, they're all now serving Christ through the passions and the mission he's placed on their hearts. As you listen today, I hope you'll learn something you didn't know. But I also hope that you're moved to continue on with whatever God has placed on your heart. We're beginning today's show with a portion of my conversation with Johnny erickson Tata of Johnny and Friends. In a wheelchair since she was a teen, Johnny and her team worked tirelessly to raise awareness and to make a difference in the lives of so many facing disabilities and in need around the world.
2: I will say that there are over 1 billion people with disabilities in the world Eighty percent of whom live in abject poverty. When I say that, I mean they have the highest rates of unemployment, homelessness, suicide. This is why we are so adamant at Johnny and Friends in taking our tested and tried programs here in the United States and fashioning them with a cultural distinctive, so that we can give the hope of Jesus Christ as well as practical help to some of these people in. Uh, places where the kingdom of Christ is very, very weak, where the church believes that a child with cerebral palsy is cursed by the animist spirits, where even churches in Belgium and in Western Europe euthanize that child with his significant disability you know infanticide is commonplace so the the needs of those with disabilities overseas is critical as well as it is here given the the devaluing of human life in the united states so again we do all we can to reach that incredibly large community of one billion who could possibly imagine but we're going to do our best to scratch the surface and meet as many needs as we possibly can
0: Meeting needs of those with disabilities around the world. Johnny Erickson Tata of Johnny and Friends. If you want to learn more, you can find our program in our archives. Well, next is Christian Mungai. Christian was raised in Kenya, but now works at Mariner's Church in California as their global convene pastor. Here he shares about the West's ongoing involvement and collaboration with ministries and organizations in Africa, South America, Asia, and beyond.
3: I think there's a place for the West always being a part of the funding mechanism just because of the gift. So if you think about 1 Corinthians 12, the body, there's a, there are giftings that have been given to different aspects and to different people for the edification of the body. So the West will always be a part of that because funding is one of the gifts that God has given the West. However, I think it's when you're thinking about money as the only currency. I think what we are moving into is into an era where you realize that Africans and South Americans and Asians have other currencies that are so important for the edification of the body. And so while it might not be finances, the partnerships that we need to do is partnerships that come to the table in mutuality and reciprocity. Just because you're giving me money doesn't mean that I have nothing I can give you. I think I've learned tons more about resilience and worship and community from the two-thirds world than I have from the Western world. And yet, I've learned a ton about organization and structure and systems and processes from the West. So it's not the traditional African dependency, or the American superiority, or what I'd call the Western independence, it's this beautiful tapestry of interdependence, where we actually need each other and realizing that money is one aspect of currency, but there's other currencies that can be used to engage partnerships. And so for the Africans, especially, what we try and do is to change paradigm. It's a mind shift, realizing that Africa is probably the richest continent in the world. You know, the country of Congo itself has 28 trillion in its belly, and yet it's the third poorest country in the world. So you ask yourself, what is wrong there? We have to find solutions for our own people. But I think the biggest shift that needs to happen is paradigm shifts within the African constituency and also the Westerners. So as we change these paradigms, and these paradigms are only changed with an exchange of of story of um, relationship, uh, which I believe that relationship is the fulcrum of all partnerships and all relationships. And that's why God did not send a lifeline, he sent a person because of the relational aspect of it. As we change paradigms, I think the continent of Africa will continue growing in its own sustenance, in its own sustainability, but that does not mean it eliminates the Westerner in the equation. We need each other because there's a mutual and a reciprocal engagement that needs to be
0: explored. Christian Mungai of Mariner's Church in California. You can find more of his story in our archives as well. You're listening to Missions Today. I'm Colin Lambert, and this week we're looking back at some of the highlights of 2022. Up next is Dr. Jennifer Murph of the MENA Leadership Center. Now, if you're not familiar with the word MENA, M-E-N-A, it stands for Middle East and North Africa, the regions where they work. Here Jennifer shares how her team is assisting those in need of leadership and operational skills and growth as they are seeing great revival in their lands.
1: Well, ministry is thriving in the greater Middle East. You know, we don't hear about what God is doing. We watch the news and we see uh, issues plague the land, but we don't actually hear what God is doing. And revival is happening. And ministries are looking uh, to organizations like the Leadership Center to help give them direction. My team is full of people from the MENA that have a pulse on what God is doing. And so one example of a course that we offer is Advanced Religious Freedom. Religious freedom is something that we as Americans have the privilege of having. However, people in the Middle East, depending on which country, that's under fire, if it exists at all. And so the MENA Leadership Center has a course that helps them understand the laws in their own particular countries. And then we help them develop a strategy around those laws so that if they get a knock on their door or if they have a radio show that gets hammered by the government, they know what to do and they know their rights. Um, We have courses that focus on understanding and ministering to refugees. Uh, You look at Lebanon and in Jordan where there's been a huge number of refugees that have fled Syria or other countries, and there's a problem there. Sometimes they don't have peers that are in the same space to really think about what's working and what's not working. And so these are the type of you know challenges that ministries are facing that we help walk alongside of them to solve.
0: Jennifer Murph of the MENA Leadership Center. You can find my conversation with her on our archives. A personal side note here, shortly after the recording of her original program, Jennifer was struck with some severe physical issues in her brain. She's had to have multiple surgeries and more to come. She's going through rehabilitation, and it is certainly impacting her family. Her husband, Justin, was also a guest on this program. I'd like to just take a moment to ask you to pray for Jennifer and Justin and their kids and families as they go through these challenging times. I can tell you, through it all, her heart and her attitude has been just amazing. Again, please pray for Justin and Jennifer Murph and their family. Now, up next, Ron Hutchcraft of On Eagle's Wings, an organization dedicated to bringing Christ to Native Americans through their own people. Here, Ron shares how the Native people are open to things of faith, making the gospel a perfect answer.
4: Native Americans have a deep and holistic spirituality. Um, We in American Christians tend to have more of a compartmentalized faith, here's my Jesus slice in my life, here's my business, here's my family, here's my money, here's my entertainment. Native people, whatever their spirituality is, it's about their whole life, much more so. Very, very deeply spiritual people always have been, yet so many of them are dying so young. There is a desperation. Uh, tribal programs, school programs try to help, but the addictions and the anger and the brokenness and the despair and the death, has, I think, opened people up some to the fact that if there's something that could work for their young people, that's something I would be willing to consider. I want to keep my daughter alive. I want to keep my son alive above all else. And when this team of transformed Native young people come in, who are now alcohol-free and drug-free and and doing something with their life. And they were the almost suicides. They were the gang leaders. They were, but notice the key word is were. And they come in and the community comes around that basketball court, natives from all over the country. When does that happen on your reservation? It does create a buzz. And so because it's the right messengers and they talk about their, their hopeless days as well, and young people are like, well, that's me. They're, they're, they're me. And then when they hear about how Jesus changed that brokenness and that the bondages, man, that's that's hard to resist. That's like, I'm like their hopelessness. I don't have that hope. And so I think doors are open to them and hearts are open to them that otherwise would not be.
0: That's Ron Hutchcraft, and the ministry is called On Eagle's Wings. To learn more, visit our archives. Well, our next highlight was truly that for me. What an incredible story of God's love and direction in the life of Megan Brown. Megan did not start off life as a Christ follower. In fact, that came much later in life. But as it came, it led her directly to her own growth first and then to the mission he had for her, Millspoco. Millspoco is a ministry dedicated to discipling military spouses and sending them out as missionaries wherever they are stationed.
5: I was actually a militant atheist. It was one of those things that I just could not wrap my mind around the gospel. About six months after we were married, my my very sweet husband said, You know, sweetie, I think today we should try the church down the street. And I said, you know, um, I would rather you just take me to Chili's after you get done at church. You are welcome to go. I'm not really interested, but I appreciate the invite. And, you know, he said, I'd I'd really appreciate it if you would just try it. Let's just try. And we go to this very nice church down the street. And so it's very Elderly man with a really nice comb over was waddling his way to the pulpit, and he said, "All right, beloved, I want everybody to open their Bibles to the Book of Ephesians." And I said, "What's in Ephesia? What's that?" Like I'm looking at my neighbor over the pew, and I think, "Okay, it's in the back half of the book." I finally find where we're going, and this guy starts expositing Ephesians one, Colin. It it just opened up for me. I remember sitting in the car after the service with my husband with my Bible still open, just awestruck. And I said, is this the real deal? Like, is this for real? And he said, how about I take you to Chili's and I'll tell you all about it. And so uh, my journey with Jesus started with fajitas (laughs) Um, for several years, you know, after becoming a believer and being at the church, not really in it. I took my Bible to church on Sundays. I did all the things they told me to do but eventually a season came where, you know, we were going to get hit in the head. He got sent to Afghanistan driving convoys and we had young children. They were five, three, and one. The communications weren't what they are today. And so uh, the short story is that one day, unannounced, all of his footlockers showed up at the house and uh, we were stationed away from an Air Force base. Uh, We didn't really know a lot of people locally. It's, scared the daylights out of me, Colin. I'm I'm staring at these footlockers thinking that this postal worker had beaten the casualty officers. And in that moment, I realized that while professing that I loved the Lord, I had no idea how to connect with him. I didn't know how to study the word. I didn't know how to pray. I had not been discipled inside of the church. I had no idea what to do. So freezing in panic, thinking, you know, life as I know it is over. I remember picking up my Bible and thinking, someone said you talk book. How does that work? Do I just like flop you open and you tell me all the things I need to know in this moment? It doesn't work like that, guys, by the way. So I I flopped my Bible open and I read the entire book of Thessalonians. And really, three days later, when he called me and let me know he was safe, while I was relieved and just consumed with gratitude, I was overwhelmed by conviction that I had no idea what this Bible said. I had no idea how to pray. I had no one to call. There were three days where when every black car passed my house, I had a panic attack, and there was no one to call. So that was over a decade ago. And if you told me now that's when mission started for me, I I would say for sure, yes. But in the moment, I wouldn't have known. Really, every night after that, I was determined to know what the word said. and so I just sat down with my bluebell ice cream and the Bible and a dictionary and a, and a children's Bible to figure out what was going on. And uh, when we moved, I just opened my front door and that is when military mission work really started for me was knowing I couldn't be the only one who didn't know what was going on inside of this book.
0: And what Megan learned was that there were many women on the bases where she was stationed that longed to know what was in that book, the Bible. And her mission began to grow. By the way, you can hear the rest of Megan's powerful story in our archives. You're listening to Missions Today. I'm Colin Lambert, and we're looking back at 2022 with some highlights from our first full year of programs. Up next is part of my conversation with Tony Chen. Tony is a Resource Global board member and part of Verdant Capital, and he had an interesting way to engage with others when he and his family moved to Kenya coffees. In fact, during that time, he had over 500 coffee meetings to learn more about those around him and their needs. Here's a bit of the story of this Chinese-American who ended up in ministry in
6: Kenya. Back in 2013, we felt the call to Kenya. It just so happened that one of my friends was leading a short-term missions trip to Kenya. So I, I ended up going on this trip, and on that trip, I met essentially my very first Kenyan friend named Ken. And Ken has now become one of my closest friends in life. He's just a, such a dear brother. So he was based in Nairobi. And so I started having coffee with him. And he's just said, you know, why don't you meet my friend, you know, Josiah and these others. And so, you know, out of... if if I look at the kind of the tree of all the people I know, those 500 coffees, about 420 of them basically come from Ken. You know, Ken referred me to his friends who referred me to others. And that tree just expanded all the way down to the 500 coffees. And, you know, I'm just, I just love hearing entrepreneurs tell their story and talk about their journeys. I think it's such, um, you really hear about people's passions, about what they're trying to work on. You hear about they're very nuanced and deep understanding of particular problems in society that maybe they are not always what they seem and then you just get to be part of their life journey so you know there's definitely opportunities to kind of sharpen one another on both sides so me learning a lot about kenyan culture about how things are done About the problems that still need to be solved, and then getting into things about, you know, there. I always talk about these three-hour coffee meetings I have with entrepreneurs, where a lot of the good stuff happens in the last hour, (laughs) where you know we start talking about, you know, marriages and fears and dreams and family and family wounds and all kinds of things that you know you can really. It really is a privilege to to speak into some of those lives and those people but then also for them to speak into my life, kind of where I'm at as well.
0: Tony feels he's been called to support and encourage entrepreneurs. The coffees were an organic tool that helped Tony begin to get a clear understanding of the best way to engage, provide support, and collaborate on business and faith in his new home. Tony's full story, like all the others today, can be found in our archives. Well, up next, she works as a software engineer at Meta Facebook, She's Grace Egbo. Grace's immigrant parents instilled in her a strong work ethic, an ethic that has allowed her to see great success in her career and how to integrate her faith into that work. Grace shares a bit about engaging your faith right where you are.
7: Okay, God, you put me here for a reason. At least after like realizing this, like it was like something I definitely realized, especially like when I started full-time, it's like, whoa, I'm literally here for a reason. How do you want me to show up? And so it was through this employee resource group. And that's what I absolutely love about the employee resource group is that it's not just a matter of a group where we just come together, do Bible studies, do prayers, but it's more of how can we also mobilize, right? Because Meta as a whole, it reaches, it reaches over 3 billion people. So it's very, very, it's a massive company. And so We, the Christians that are inside this company, we have a, we have a, we have a role to play. You know, how can we continue to use the platform and be able to influence the platform in a way that will benefit and really be that light that the company can be to people all over the world. And so both within the company and outside the company. And so how are we able to really be that light that God has called us to be and actually make a move on it and actually do something about it. Whether or not it's having, you know, relationships with people within the company, getting to know them more, being able to hear their story and really to be a supporting ear, whether or not it's even like the work that I'm doing as a software engineer and how we influence the product of how it should we be focusing on, what should be things that we're looking at. And so there's just many things that I realize that it's not a coincidence that, you know, men at this moment is where it is today, right? But it's even especially more prominent to me that we have a we we literally have a role. And each and every one of us in all of our various companies that we may be working in, or in the schools that we're working in, or even in the, you know, different retail stores that we're working on, we all have a role to play at that moment. And so that's something that i very much appreciated within our employee research group is really helping to bring this to light and also be able to figure out the resources that we can be pulling together to help us on that journey of really really fulfilling the commission here on earth.
0: Fulfilling your mission and the great commission right here on earth, right where the Lord has planted you. Such an encouragement, Grace Egbo. You can hear all of Grace's story in our archive. Up next, world-renowned artist Makoto Fujimura joined us to talk about redeeming art and culture to the glory of Christ. Mako says, by integrating our faith with technology and creativity— We might just see a new renaissance.
8: We should be a community that asks each other, what have you made this week? (laughs) And how can we help you get better at it? As you noted, one point, church was that. It was the only place where you can see paintings and, and sculptures and art and buildings, architecture. So uh, there's no reason why we, we cannot become that again. Now, in our case, in, in 21st century, we have so much more potential because of technology. We have vast capacities in medicine and engineering to even create new materials. So as human beings, we are, I think, on the cusp of something that, you know, we can look back in 200 years from now and say, well, that was a point, 2022 will be a point where a new renaissance can happen, combining sciences and the arts. And of course, when we look back 500 years ago, it was the Black Plague that birthed the renaissance then. So there's no reason why uh,
0: this can't happen again. Makoto Fujimura, encouraging Christ followers to be creative like their creator, to innovate and create in all areas of the arts and business, to bring beauty, faith, and excellence to all areas of our culture. If you want to hear more of my conversation with Makoto and more about his latest efforts with the art of Kintsugi, it's fascinating. Just visit our program archive. Now, our final clip of the show, and I I wish I could have included so many more. There were so many good stories, but I'll end with this one. Simone Halpin is the executive director of Naomi's House, a ministry designed to assist women coming out of prostitution and sex trafficking. Simone shares the story of a client who has come full circle at Naomi's House.
9: What's so exciting about this work, I'm on the front lines of radical life change which obviously has changed my life. There's a woman who who is on our staff now after graduating from our residential program. And then since we opened the residential program, I should say, we have opened two other programs since then. Now we're in multiple locations doing different types of programming. We have residential, we have day programming, and we also have what's called drop-in services. So emergency services for women who are still in the life. So the women I met on the street would have a place to go for respite for a shower, those types of things. So we have a whole spectrum of services now. And and the woman who who graduated a few years ago participated in several of those, residential and what's called our day program, where after she graduated, she moved into our uh, independent living program and she continued to do case management and receive services and just continue her healing journey after residential. She has done so well and is thriving in such a way that she's now on our team and she is helping run some of the other programs where she's interacting with women who are still being exploited. And there's nobody better to sit with another woman and say, I have been where you have been and I am on the other side If you. She's literally driven women from the streets of communities around where we are and driven them to our daily program so that they can meet our staff and go through the intake process to see if she's a good fit for our, for our work. It is the most glorious story of reconciliation. She's got a strong relationship with her mom. She leads groups. She walks alongside women who are suffering and can meet them there and knows what it feels like. And um, and she loves Jesus. So she's really one of one of my favorites because now she's She's working for Naomi's house. She's doing the hard work and and we're brushing shoulders with her and learning from her.
0: The love and compassion of Christ, leading a former client to be on staff at Naomi's house. Such a beautiful story. You can find Simone's story, all the stories we've touched on today and many we haven't had time for today, in our podcast archives. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, we'll begin our second full year and officially our third season hearing the story of a man born on a ranch in Kansas who now runs an international media ministry sharing the good news of the gospel of Christ. It'd be so helpful if you'd subscribe to this podcast, share it with others, talk about it, rate it, leave a review on iTunes, always helpful for us. Happy New Year from all of us here at Missions Today, a production of Resource Global.